I have a really busy year and a daunting first part of the year. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll enlist your prayers. Um, for 16 weeks, I'll be teaching systematic theology uh, online with, with the Global Awakening Seminary. And I'm doing a lot more promoting of the seminary among people than I did in the beginning as uh, my confidence in what we're doing has grown. And uh, if you want to, if you, if you have a, a university degree and you want to go on with further studies, I would, I would urge you to think about that among uh, the paths that you would take for study. I'm going to be talking to leaders today. And then the way my schedule is, it's going to be a lot of fun because uh, my class starts one day and then the next day I leave for two weeks for India. So Errol and myself are going to meet uh, Barry Manson and we're going to go to uh, both southern and northern India and uh, do ministry there with uh, two different ministers. And one of the reasons I mentioned that is because uh, not long after that, Impact Nations is going on a trip to India. I think it's 5 through 20 March, if I remember the dates. 8 through 20. That's what my eyes do when they look at an 8. And uh, you'll have the opportunity to go with them. Uh, Errol and I are not taking a team. We'll be doing a, a pastor's meeting uh, for the most part. Uh, but if you want to get in on that, uh, you'll, you'll miss the conference, but you'll be the conference. And uh, you'll get to do ministry. And what we'll be training to do, you'll be doing. And uh, how many of you have been on trips with Impact Nations? Let me just see some hands. Talk to any of these people about how it'll change your life. And, and uh, go online or see Steve or Christina about it. Okay. Whew. I might be a shade grumpy this morning. Everybody said, what's new about that? I didn't fall asleep till 5.30 this morning. I'd love to tell you I was having rapturous times in the Holy Spirit. I was trying to sleep. Um, we go through stuff, right? Hey, it's good to see you. It's good to see you here for the new year. It's good to see you uh, in the house of the Lord. You're here to receive. You've been receiving. There's more to receive. I want you to receive today. So open your heart. Open your mind. We had a word last night about a hammer. Somebody said they never seen a hammer as a, as a weapon. And I went, have you not seen Thor? And, and uh, more than that, the Bible uses the image of the hammer for the word of God that shatters the rock of a hard heart. And sometimes we need to pray ourselves, Lord, my heart has gotten hard. Hit me with a hammer of your word and penetrate my consciousness so that I can actually have ears to hear, eyes to see, and I can know you. I was um, minding my own business and the Spirit of God spoke to me and I believe very clearly told me, 
take the people to Ephesians. So I know I have a whole other plan for most of the year, but this is where I'm going at the first of the year. So we're gonna do a little introduction to the book of Ephesians. I'm gonna talk to you some stuff that's just introductory today. We'll go to Acts chapter 19. You don't have a slide for that, so if you wanna get your Bible out and go there, uh, you can go with me there. And then we will finish with Ephesians chapter one um, as as we jump into this. Are you ready? And it happened, Acts 19, verse 1, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. And there he met some disciples. Love this passage. Absolutely love this passage. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Um... I'd love to tell you that that's not the way it is nowadays, but, but anytime that somebody feels the need to write a book called The Forgotten God, and it's a book on the Holy Spirit, probably the same problem exists today. Oh my. However, how this passage was used with me when I was a new Christian uh, is probably not the best understanding of it. And uh, I'll just unpack it with you a little bit. First of all, Ephesus is in Asia Minor, which is the country of Turkey now. And uh, in the southwest uh, portion of that country. And uh, Ephesus was a seaport at the time. And it was a very significant city in the ancient world and probably... Um, the letter to the Ephesians ends up being a more of a circular letter than, um, uh, than a letter to a specific church. Also, probably the city of Ephesus is either the second or third most significant city in terms of your Bible and, the, and Bible history. Jerusalem, Antioch, and Ephesus. And the book of Ephesus uh, is so significant because, or, or the city of Ephesus, because so many of our biblical leaders are connected to it. Timothy, John, the Apostle Paul, uh, and much of the biblical corpus is written with regard to it. So here we are, and it's a significant piece. He comes to Ephesus, and he found some disciples, say disciples. When I first started reading my Bible, if I read disciples, my mind immediately went to followers of Jesus because that's how I was taught in Sunday school. But no, disciples are just followers and they could be followers of anyone. And in the ancient world, philosophers, teachers, rabbis, and yes, eventually apostles had followers, had disciples. So being told that we have some disciples is not a clue to to that all of a sudden Paul went and he found a company of Jesus. And that doesn't seem to be what happened. And he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And then your first question should be, believed what? Um, And note that he asked the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's a pretty good question. 
And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. I've thought about this question a lot because it seems awkward to me. Um, I do know this much because of, of what we get here. We know, he says, into what were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. All right, so we know now, if they were baptized into John's baptism, they are John's disciples. So John, the one that came to herald Jesus, is the one whom they are a follower of his. And I'm intrigued. No, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. You and I know that the little bit we have about John's preaching always involved the Holy Spirit. And so the question is, did they not know there was a Holy Spirit? I think it might be able that we could say the question might more clearly have been, we have not heard that the Holy Spirit has been given. I won't go so far as to say I'm absolutely sure of that, but I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't have heard of the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, we also know if they were disciples of John, they were disciples of, of their Judaism. Now look here. And Paul said, verse four, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. So, what about this baptism of John and repentance? John's a prophet. Prophets are always bringing people back to God. The way you get people back to God is they have to turn around and go back to God. That's repentance. Now, the Jews also understood that repentance uh, was a key thing for the blessing of God for Yahweh to return to Israel with his presence because the presence of God had left Israel. And frankly, even with their return to the land, the manifest presence of God, the glory of God had not returned to the temple. And they knew that God had left them because of their rebellion and they knew that in their path, the way for God to return was repentance. And so these are, these are disciples who are repenting. What would their repentance entail? Adherence to Torah and a return to their fidelity to Torah. If you were John's disciples, you were, first of all, Jews, and you were, uh, second of all, um, being called to a, a great fidelity to God and to his word, all right? So there we go. But they didn't seem to know Jesus. By the way, you can also assume, whenever you see a little exchange like this, um, the Bible writers used incredible economy of words. These exchanges didn't take place uh, as, as quickly. Uh, it's, this stuff is, is written like exchanges on, on, on short little TV shows. It's that kind of conversation, but we know that, no, this kind of conversation would have been an in-depth conversation, and this would be some, somewhat of a summary of it. John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Ah. So get this, 
Baptized disciples are getting rebaptized. The baptism that they had was a baptism renouncing their sins and turning back to a fidelity to Yahweh. But this baptism was a baptism that would bring them into allegiance with Jesus and they would have known that John was preaching him as the Messiah. As the one who is uh, Christos. As the one who would who would be restoring the throne of David and therefore be restoring the glory of God to the kingdom of Israel and restoring the presence of God. By the way, you should, you should remember that it was old David that brought the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David and made the manifest presence of God uh, at the Ark of the Covenant to be the prominent feature of their worship. And that they were gathered around presence. Now get this, you and I have no basis to eschew this reality. We are called to gather around the presence. When we come to the table, we want the presence. When we lift our hands in worship, we want the presence. When we break the bread of life, we want the bread of his presence. We want presence, presence, presence. Why? Because it's in the presence of God that bondages break. It's in the presence of God that healing happens. It's in the presence of God that wholeness comes to our minds. It's in the presence of God that reconciliation can take place. It's in the presence of God that the kingdom of God flourishes. And here it is. So he's telling them to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. And they did it. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now don't miss this because this is so magnificent. When Paul had laid his hands on them, I wonder where, where that came from. I mean, apart from the fact that uh, the doctrines of laying on of hands would have been uh, deeply embedded into this rabbi, you cannot read this passage and not have your mind go to another laying on of hands in Acts chapter nine when Ananias comes in to Saul and lays hands on him and he is he has the scales fall off his eyes and he's filled with Holy Spirit and so Paul what does he do now he goes and does this all right and when Paul laid his hands on them the Holy Spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying and there were about 12 men in all Interesting thing about this passage. Um, when I was born again, say born again. You know born again means born of the Spirit. That means you receive the Spirit. But when I was born again, I didn't experience speaking in tongues and prophecy. And so people would come to me and they would say, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And I would say, yes. And then because I didn't speak in tongues, they would say, no, you haven't. And I was involved in my, very, in my second, that was not my first theological dispute. It was my second big theological dispute. My first one was baptismal regeneration. 
which is the Lutheran doctrine that says that you're born again at your baptism when you're an infant. Oh, you hadn't had fun until you meet a Lutheran that wants to take you to task on that doctrine. You haven't begun to have fun. So that was my first theological dispute when I was 18 years old. And uh, my Lutheran pastor brought to me Gustav Allen's Systematic Theology. My first Christian book was Systematic Theology. <laughs> Makes sense, doesn't it? And here I was in a debate. So here's the deal. Jesus comes into your life so that you can live happily ever after. No, Jesus comes into your life and he just kicks over the lantern in the barn and burns the house down. And you get to deal with the smoke and the ashes. Because that is what happens. So now it's pretty simple for me. In this case, these disciples did not yet know Jesus. And so they received Jesus and then Paul laid hands on them and they were also filled with the Holy Spirit and the gifts of God began to manifest in them. So understand this. I think you need to meet Jesus and I think you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And anything short of that means you've been shortchanged and you don't want to be shortchanged. And uh, again, we, we were in so many debates about those kinds of things in the early days. And now for me, it's just, I just want everything there is of him, don't you? Yeah. So I'm looking around for what else? <laughs> right? All right, so, and then it says there were about 12 men in all. I've always loved these little notes. 12 tribes, 12 apostles, we get this little note about this little company at Ephesus and there were 12. And he's literally echoing that, that what God is doing is building a, a covenant community right there in their midst. Did it have to be 12? No. Does there have to be 12? No. But the echo is unmistakable. And he entered the synagogue and there's where the fun comes, okay? So now catch this. If you read about Paul, from Acts chapter nine, and you read his exploits through 19, you're gonna find out that he doesn't last very long in town. <laughs> so this is a really, what I'm about to read is really significant. And I find myself going, hmm, I wonder what the rest of the story is. And he entered the synagogue and for about three months spoke boldly. And like I said, usually that was enough to get him stoned, flogged, and thrown out of town. Reasoning and persuading with them about the kingdom of God. But when some, some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. My grandson wants to know if that was Tyrannosaurus Rex. <laughs> this, this continued for two years, <clears throat> so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Hey, this is, I, I literally, I want to know, what was it about Ephesus that made him able to last? Or what was it, <laughs> you know, what was going on? Now, if you read on in Acts, you're going to find out there's, there's still riots. There's still, the, the trouble still comes. But something put it at bay. However, 
It's a shocking thing to realize you get in ministry and you're all of a sudden thrown into all kinds of conflicts that you didn't anticipate or try to cause. (laughs) And, And some of them are with your friends. So just catch hold of this, following Jesus. We don't all hold hands and sit in a circle and sing kumbaya. Oh, we did in the 70s for a little while. And then we drew swords. So, literally, I want to start with this. Do you want to be a follower who is also a leader? Because if you are a follower who wants to be a leader, pain, trouble, division, conflict, anger, Anguish, sleepless nights will find you. The goodness of God is chasing after you. (laughs) Signs of the kingdom are everywhere. The the disciples, and Paul, Paul never once stopped and said, I must be doing this wrong. That we can tell. He just kept on going. And kept on enduring conflict and kept on getting in trouble. Now, I don't like conflict. I like it less now than I used to. Here's here's when you you like conflict less than you used to. When your wife and you actually get along easily. Don't worry, it only takes 25 years. Some of y'all are working it out right now. (laughs) I was, um, I rediscovered Larry King the other day. You know, used to be on CNN. He was actually a civil voice on news. The thing I liked about Larry was that that, uh, you never knew really his position if it was political. Now, religious, you would know because he would interact. And I always was always intrigued because Larry King loved to have religious leaders on to interview them. But I discovered, I didn't, I didn't know he'd been going on with a show. Um, it's either, I don't know if it's podcast or on uh, cable networks. I don't know what it is, but I rediscovered it. So I was listening to him. And I, I had the joy of listening to him interview Sir Anthony Hopkins. I love that guy's acting. And uh, so I was listening to an interview and they do this thing where they ask this random series of questions. And one of them was, uh, do you have any regrets? And I was really intrigued with his answer because his answer was, no, he didn't have any regrets. And of course, you know me, now I wanted to argue with the podcast. I'm like, uh, but then I, I took it in the context. I looked at it in the context it is. Here's a man asking about choices he's made in his life and where those choices have taken him. Do you have any regrets? And he said, he, he said no. And basically he's saying, I don't have time to waste on doing that. I, I go, go from here what it is and I learn the lessons. But for me, 
I want you to know that when I heard that, I went, oh no, I got lots of regrets. I got lots of regrets. Mostly what you regret is, I mean, listen, if you don't regret the pain you cause people, you're not paying attention. If you don't regret making choices that affect other people's lives in ways that are really dramatic. Listen, I've been through this, Acts 19, these passages. I've been through exactly this with people that that I love. I found myself embroiled in turmoil with people that I love. Do you regret where it's brought you? No. Do you regret the mess? Oh, if you don't, you're not paying attention. But I'm just gonna tell you, you wanna be a leader? I'm sorry. You wanna be a leader? You're gonna have to make decisions that affect other people's lives in ways that are adverse and it's gonna hurt you. And it's gonna hurt them. Wanna be a leader? You're gonna be misunderstood and you're gonna misunderstand. You wanna be a leader? Uh, Not everybody's called to be a leader. We're all called to be followers. Not everybody's called to leadership. Some of us are just called to follow so well that we create a wake that draws others in with us. Somebody would be sitting here saying, yeah, everybody leads on some level. And yes, that's true. But guess what? You come here every week and, and uh, anybody who wants to doesn't get up and speak. You want to be a leader? You'll be invited into conflict, pain, misunderstanding, trouble. Think about that a lot. And um, I find myself at uh, this time of life, less eager to tell young people, yeah, come do this. But more eager to say, if you do, bolster yourself. I really thought when I started ministry that it was gonna be such a beautiful thing and that people would know that I had their best in my heart and that I love them and they would love me for it. No, 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 they'll assume that you're trying to make their life miserable and they'll give it back to you. Anyway, all kinds of stuff happens and I find myself a lot lately thinking on, um, I don't know if I've ever shared this in a message, but I think about this poem a lot. Do you like poetry? Um, Other than apostles, Poets are the best. This is why you like worship music. And and, uh, this is why you like artists who write songs and you go, what was that about? You're still trying to figure out what the Hotel California is. (laughs) Kipling. And his little point, if this is a good place to start the year. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, 
but make allowances for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting or being lied about, don't deal in lies or being hated, don't give way to hating and yet don't look too good or talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master. If you can think and not make thought your aim. If you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. If you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop to build him up with worn out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there's nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything in it, and which is more, You'll be a man, my son. Rudyard Kipling. Fantastic. Fantastic. So it's first of the year, and uh, we talk about what are you dreaming about? And so it's the first of the year, and we renew our allegiance to purposes and ideals. Or so it's the twilight of public ministry, Maybe, and you go, what will happen if it all turns to ashes? What do you learn? Well, I'll tell you what an old man says you learn. Most of the battle is won by people who show up. It's true of parenting. It's true of marriage. It's true of work. It's true of ministry. It's true of every trouble you'll face. The battle is won by the people who show up. And the battle is won by people who are not discouraged by the rubble that's made of the work they were trying to do when it all falls to nothing. And you say, okay, we start over today. And that's life, guys. That's, and that's what leadership is. And that's apostleship. That's why Paul will later write, I think he's put us apostles on display last in the arena. Want to be a leader? I do. I still do. Not usually on Monday. <laughs> and so you deal with stuff. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going to show up. That's what I'm going to do. It's good that he's put us in families because there's the testing ground of showing up. And it absolutely does not always turn out beautifully. 
So there it is. Happy New Year. Come into apostleship. You know what the you know, you know what that apostleship means? It's it's literally apostle an apostle, and it's so fascinating to me that this term apostle is not used in the Bible prior uh, to to New Testament. It's also fascinating to me that this term is um, not native to the Hebrew people. Part of the reason was that Hebrew people were not very seafaring, and it's a, it's, it appears to be a word that is tied to an action that, that is of the action of an invading army that hits the coast and makes a beachhead. And that, that invasion of land, that taking of territory, is apostleship. Want to be a leader? Got to hit the beach. In full gear and ready to go. So I thought, well, I've given you two texts. I've given you the text from the Acts of the Apostles, and now I've given you the text from the poet. And now I finish with an introduction to what we're going to study in the next few weeks. And I'll tell you. That I'm going to read it to you, what I'm going to give you now, and not preach it. Because the introduction is not to uh, come and learn about a book, but to come and engage an adventure. When Holy Spirit met those 12 in Ephesus, do do you understand what it meant? Here were people who had been baptized into the baptism of repentance so that God would return to the temple. And God returned to the temple, all right? Right within them. Carriers. Temple of God. Bearers of the presence. We are an apostolic company. Here's what this also means. I said, do you want to be leaders? And I gave you a choice. Then Holy Spirit comes and says, yeah, I think we won't won't have a choice. I think we'll just engage you all. You say, wait, I thought you said not all are leaders. Yeah, that's what I said. Deal with it. Lots of, lots of truths in Bible seem to conflict. But here's what I know will happen. Many are called and few are chosen. So where do we go from here? Let's read this scripture. Ephesians 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. To the saints who are in Ephesus, they were there before New Orleans. Couldn't help it. I wish wish John Schultz was here. To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what he does is he prays over them. I want you to stand so I can pray the scripture over you. 
grace to you, Dave, Ivana, and peace as you go and find a new home where the Lord is taking you. Grace to you, Alina, and peace as you visit us from your new home and bring us tidings of what's happening in your life. Grace to you, worship team, and peace as you prepare to go and record and bring rich music to your congregation. So the first thing I want you to do is turn to one another and speak grace and peace to one another. Do it now. I'm gonna turn you into Lutherans this morning. (laughs) Baptismal regeneration and passing the peace. And then come back and let's pray. As I give you the scripture. I think what happens next is Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. Let's hear the word of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the 12 reading that? Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. I bless you this morning. You who have obtained an inheritance, you who are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, I bless you this morning. You who have redemption through his blood, you who exist to see here now things in heaven and earth brought into union in the fullness of time. I bless you, you who sit in heavenly places with him, you who are blameless, you who have been predestined for adoption 
No orphans here. I call you blessed. I call you blessed in Jesus' name.